0: welcome back to the garden state outdoors and podcast presented by boondocks hunting i'm your host mike Nitrang.
1: i'm Peyton smith
0: and welcome back everyone it's been two weeks we didn't record last week um things just got a little busy hectic for us Peyton had his his cough and everything like that so we took the week off um a, a little bit to catch up on um Peyton went down Maryland the last time we spoke for Thanksgiving and he was there roughly for what, about a week, I would say.
1: Uh, Closer to probably like 10 days uh, down there, like from Tuesday to the next Sunday. So good bit of time down there.
0: Now, last we're were talking about hunting pressure deer. Now you're able to correct me if I'm wrong, get on a piece that wasn't, pressured really at all but you didn't get the action that i guess you were probably looking for
1: not yeah i was kind of surprised so i went and haunted this piece in maryland um and maryland does this pretty limited public land so they especially in central maryland so um there's a lot of places where you know the access is kind of limited you have to get like a special permit you know there's like locked gates you know, we have to get the gate code and you know check in. Um, to, sh- I guess to try to kind of lower the pressure, uh, all around. So, um, I got into this piece, um, uh, that didn't seem like it was hunted super hard. You know, there I guess there were people walking dogs down and through there, but you know, like we've talked before, I, you know, when you have high deer density like in New Jersey and Maryland, um, I just don't see it as much of a factor. You know, I grew up seeing deer you know, in backyards, you know, with people's dog everywhere, you know, just in neighborhoods and stuff, backing up to parkland and stuff. And, you know, maybe it is a different animal when you talk about, uh, you know, places where you can hunt those deer also, you know, it definitely adds a wrinkle, but, you know, light traffic in a state with high population densities, you know, everywhere you see on the Northeast, I don't think, uh, I think they could probably tell the difference. Is what I'm getting at. But anyway, I got in, hunted that place all day Wednesday, uh, sat from sunrise to sunset, moved spots around lunch. And my buddy met me there uh, in the evening and ended up sitting about where I sat in the morning. Um, He saw a couple of deer, had one respond, little buck respond to a grunt call uh, that he lost sight of. It's like chest high grass everywhere and, and real thick. Saw some doe and does, but you know, where I was sitting, I thought I could see a long way and I just didn't see a deer all day. Uh, which is pretty surprising. Uh, I had hunted, hunted Maryland. I think it was the week Saturday before that, that Friday before that, um, hunted all day uh, on a piece of private that I, I grew up hunting with my dad and sat all day and didn't see, it was hot, didn't see deer there then either, and, and finally hunted, uh, I guess the opening day of gun season was that Saturday after Thanksgiving, hunted the evening and got along sitting then too and shot a, uh, shot an antlerless deer, right? It, I guess it's, it's considered antlerless, you know, it's under the broken off and small meat buck um, at last light with the slug gun. But you know, you know, we Mike, we're just talking. It's like if you do enough sitting, and as much as we have, I mean, I think we're both close to hunt forty. It's you know, it's like yes, I've had a great season. I've been very lucky. I've got a great buck, a great bear. I mean, there's also twenty other sits since then. You know where it's like, you know, you're sitting all day. You're getting up early. Where it's like, you know what? I just gotta, I gotta get that confidence check. You know, I haven't shot a deer with a with a slug gun. I think since. I don't know, six years or so. So, and I don't think a deer has ever been shot with this gun. So I was excited. And, you know, it's like what we said, what gets your heart pumping. So, you know, this little buck that I hadn't, you know, after not seeing a deer and God knows how many haunts over two States and it got my heart pumping. So a good shot on it. Um, surprising thing is, is, you know, even with a gun, you often think it's like, Oh, well, that'll drop in the tracks, but this deer ran further than the bear and the buck I shot this year combined uh, with my bow. They ran uh, close to 150 yards, and it was a perfect shot. You know, field dress, kind of do like the steer or, or, you know, whatever that's called. I think mean, Ranch Ferry, that's what Ranch Ferry calls it, and shredded, just absolutely shredded. You know, good blood, but it just caught and got the wind in his back or something, and he took off. Couldn't believe it, but... Was uh, it was a great hunt. You know, it's it's good to get more meat in the freezer. Uh, I think I've find myself only eating wild game meat for the foreseeable future, which is nice. That's always been a goal of mine. So it's been nice to actually be able to achieve that sooner and rather than later.
0: Yeah. No. Def- definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, and it it's exactly like you said. What whatever gets the heart pumping. And you went down there, and you had a goal in mind to really you you said it you're going to kill anything like it doesn't matter whatever walks by you're you're sending it um it's just like you said i i just completed today hunt number 43 43 hunts sent one arrow so far this season um but more of you know just a lot of patience and you know this goes back to what i what i tell people especially when i try to teach new hunters is i i'm never the biggest person for having the most successful season in the world as your first hunting when you're getting especially the older you are right if you're as a kid you know what that's whatever right but especially if you're jumping in at like 18 19 20 25 30 even you know I really tell people you need to learn how to struggle. You need to be able to go sit, not see anything and everything like that, because when you do start having success and you start killing deer and everything like that, I think you start to take it a little bit for granted and then you get a little maybe complacent or whatever. But when you do have that season where you're either struggling or you're targeting specific deer or a specific Mm -hmm. buck or age class, when you sit 40 something times and, you know, you and this buck are just on two different pages or whatever the case is, like, you're not just going to quit. You're gonna be like, all right, you know, th- this is fun right here. And that's what I'm doing. I'm having fun right now. As much as it, it's the pain in the butt and it it does get frustrating. Like last year is just it went. I could not have asked for a season to go better last year. Kind of what Peyton's having this year, you know. But, you know, I, I was telling Bianca and I was like, damn. I think I'm at 40 something hunts. I don't even think I got to 40 hunts last year. I think I maybe just got to 30 hunts and that was with including waterfowl hunts as well. So with the deer hunting, like I was on hunt nine and I was already tagged out. I think last year, if if I remember correctly, you know, killed a bear, killed a bunch of ducks. You know, I had a very successful year and this year. I've had a pretty successful year. Like I did what I, I said I wanted to do. Now I just need to close the last chapter. Like I am 98% there. Me and this buck is all, if he's still alive, we are just on different patterns. I've done everything right. I found where basically where he is besides being able to go on to the private property, I'm pretty sure he's betting and I uh, he, he's consistent. I found his rub uh, you know, I got three or four cameras on him. It's just you know the days I decide to go to work, he decides to daylight. <laughs> you know, so it's just one of those things. So like, not much has gone for me in the last two weeks, you know. Um, but chasing this one deer, but I'm having a hell of a time. I pass up a a nice buck, potential buck that I am telling you, if he survives, he's going to be the number one and number two hitless buck for me next year, without without a doubt. And this is in the same exact area. I just love. The way his, his, his antlers are just, it's nice and in tight too, nice mm. and narrow. They're kind of honestly look kind of like if he get, when he gets bigger, they might start touching, you know, and just body wise, he just wasn't there yet. He's a really good buck. I just, I could tell he needed like another year to m- mature, um, and but he that my heart was my, the heart rate got up there a little bit like it, it did. And it, and it was it was a tough deer to to kind of pass. Thank God, he didn't give me any uh, shooting opportunity because he was kind of on me because uh, I soft bumped him um, walking in. And then also when I was in the saddle, he he saw me. And then 15 minutes later, he came back and, you know, soft bumping, especially when you're hunting beds do not think your hunt's over do not think your hunt's over but you know we got someone special brandon welcome to the show <coughs> everyone knows him as carolina reaper on instagram <coughs> honestly this it, it, it's funny how i don't even know how this all started i'm pretty sure it was it was dave's live or something like that it, it's something but you are one of the funniest guys that I've yet to even meet in person, <laughs> just keeping the chat Thanks. always going, always live. But not only that, Peyton and I were talking before. A lot of knowledge coming out of your your page as well and yeah. a really unique way that you that you hunt and you're, you scout and everything that that you do. So, you know, we're really excited to get you on and, you know everyone out there we are going to be keeping this one short but he will be coming on again for a more detailed episode later um in the offseason but brandon welcome to the show
2: thanks mike thanks uh good to see you peyton nice to see everybody thanks for having me on and uh squeezing me in yeah it's it's always great to see you guys and i've been following your page mike and i was literally just looking at the buck that has like the kind of comes out like a blade on the one side, you know. What I'm talking uh, moose,
0: yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Uh, moose, yeah, yeah. I love the look of that buck. I was, I was taking a hard look at him, but uh, yeah, yeah, everything's good here, man. I, I appreciate it and thanks for the kind words. And likewise, I, I learned from everybody's channel, so I'm glad we're all connected. And, and uh, this Instagram thing has been fun for me. Um, you know, I wasn't on the internet too, too much, and now it's,
3: it's been nonstop. fun. It's been
2: a great year, yeah. I just use it like a journal every day. Like, I'm going out to run cameras or, like, the good, the bad, the ugly. Like, I posted a video of skinning my knee once. Like, it is just, it's just just the daily log, you know? Like, yeah. what sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad.
0: And I think that's what gravitates people to a lot of our pages. It's like, I'm not a big person. Like, yeah, I do follow some big accounts, but, like, I really I like the the small pages. I like the the unknown hunters. I like the person that has 50 followers but has been hunting for 50 years and you know can tell you, you know, every trick and nanny that he's learned through the years and you, like you said your these pages you learn so much from everyone and everyone has a different unique style of hunting and has gone through something different or the same thing as you and you're yeah. able to bounce stuff off of people that without social media, you know, we would never be able to bounce these things off of each other. I would never have met Peyton, you know, never would have, you know, we wouldn't be talking right now if it wasn't for social media and things like that. So like, there is a lot to, to be thankful for with that, but it is, uh, it's fun. Um, and it's, it's definitely a, a cool journey. Um, so, you know, tell us where you're from, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself
2: yeah yeah it's definitely been a a really great journey and one thing um just to kind of piggyback on that real quick is uh one thing i've noticed is everybody does have a different style and before i really started listening to podcasts last year and kind of doing my own thing um i guess i just kind of assumed everybody did the same thing sort of you know i knew i had like my dad who always did his ladder stands and you know i had a, a family relative who uh Everybody else would get mad at him because he'd walk around through the bedding areas and try to do like his version of tracking and he would just spook everything. And the old timers called that sanctuary and the young timers just wanted to bust deer and shoot shit. So it was like, (laughs) you know, like, uh, so I grew up kind of that way in uh, the Adirondacks where it was like the young guys versus the old guys. But moving down here to the south, I just kind of assumed everybody kind of had the same the same technique, which was ladder stands, food plots, hunting power lines, old railroad beds—you know, things like that. Big, you know, uh, funnels between two bluffs. The type of hunting we did in the mountains. And then I came to the South, and it was just a completely different game. And I live in North Carolina now, near Raleigh. <clears throat> and even though I don't hunt in my immediate vicinity, all of my hunting places are pretty much within a two-hour radius. But I can get to three states like my state. I can get to Virginia in 45 minutes. I can get South Carolina in an hour and a half. So I have a lot of tags open to me. Um, As you've seen, probably this year, I've been I've been putting the hurting on some does and some some other deer. But uh, that's pretty typical, man. There's so many deer down here in the south. We don't have really any age structure. So um you know i see a lot of you guys letting bucks go that just have me you know i'd probably have two pounds on my trigger but uh you guys are like oh, i'll pass him he's just a 140 inch three-year-old you know and i'm like man I, I kill a lot of good bucks but i don't kill you know you'll never see me talking about chasing 200s or anything like that i mean here in the south we don't have the age structure so i try to just get on some good bucks and i try to get on a lot of them that's my thing. Is kind of like growing up in school I was always like either average or probably a little slower than everybody so for me I have to find a lot of bucks to make sure I can kill a few so that's how you've seen me probably chronicle my year but I think at one point I had like 15 or 18 shooters and what if I killed two and I got maybe two more I'm I'm hunting down but you know when 18 bucks equals three or four that's not very very good but that's how I have to do it. I just have to have a lot of options.
1: No, that interesting I, I way it. of doing it. Yeah, I like that a lot. Because I'm going to fail
2: yeah. a lot. I just go find a yeah. hell of a ton of bucks and just I fail and fail and fail and I stick one. I fail and fail and I stick one. You know, it's just fun to the next one, man. That'd be my biggest tip to everybody. Don't get hung up on a buck. Just go to the next one. Because once they yeah. know they're being hunted, they're impossible to kill.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a different I, I, I w- Yeah. I will agree with you on that. And usually, this is the first year I've chased one specific buck. I don't, I don't know what it is. And, you know, Peyton and I, we've gone back and forth of, we don't know if it's just the buck numbers are down, just, you know, whatever the case is. You know, we've talked to a lot of people and, you know, things just have not compared to the years in the past. Like, our, it just seems like our, our numbers just aren't there for whatever reason. Could be HD, could be predators, could be so many different things. Um, but I usually like to chase. A bunch of different deer and moose you know talking about moose he was the third or fourth deer i was after he wasn't even the top one or two but he was the yeah yeah he's just killable and and you know he had the yeah. best pattern um that's what and, i do you know,
2: i mean i almost never kill my biggest buck I, yeah i'll kill the second third biggest one maybe like the fifth biggest one and i'll be a three deer a year sometimes the three deer i kill aren't even in the top five it's just you know, when it's November eighteenth, you don't turn your nose up at a four-year-old. You just just <laughs> now no, we have five, no, four or no. five tags. Absolutely no, little,
0: definitely, yeah. definitely not. No, not a 40, I mean, not You year know, where I live. It's not a a four-year-old here. And you know, don't we we do chase, and especially like you know, if you look at Andrew's page and everything like that. Andrew's, you know, we're chasing some some giants down there and everything like that, but. You Know a four year old deer. I, I really don't, I really wouldn't care. You know, there's some four year olds that are probably smaller antler wise than some of the two and a half, three year olds that we have here, but I would much rather, I think, shoot that four year old than I would that that two and a half year old. And you know, that that body that's there these is just bucks,
2: yeah, that's what these bucks are. I mean, I got friends that shoot huge bucks that tell me like those are all booners that I killed mm-hmm. early, but that where I live. Yeah, you know, I, I like to think I know how to run cameras like for the most part, like not to sound that way, but I've ran a lot of cameras for a long time. So, <clears throat> you know, I've been hunting for 30 years. So generally I can, if there's a mature buck on a property I can usually get them daylighting with just a handful of cameras in up to a handful of weeks. Sometimes like they're tough critters, but I can usually get them. I almost get them always on camera, I'll figure them out. Maybe they're passing through rarely, maybe they're living there, um, whatever it is. But with that being said, generally speaking, I have to run here in the Carolinas, I have to run sometimes 15 cameras to find a four-year-old, five-year-old. So it's just so... You have to cast such a big net to cat to find, I say cats, I'm a fisherman, but to, to find a mature buck, a four-year-old here, that that's why in the last few years, I've pretty much just like been growing my own on mock scrapes, which kind of, it was an accidental thing where I would try to I would run a lot of cameras, I'd canvas large areas and find bucks. But in the meantime, my other scrape cameras, you know, like I'm running 41 mock scrapes this year and my other scrape cameras, they'll just last year's two year olds, a three year old. And then all of a sudden now, well, damn, you know, uh deer we call Bruce Wayne. Now all of a sudden he's four. He literally was just a spike horn. So like that happens too, where your local spike horn population grows up on you. And then all of a sudden you have a shooter nearby. So um, we've, you know, I grow them by accident. That happens, but of course, on public land here, with everybody getting five tags, or in North Carolina, two tags. Uh, South Carolina, where I hunt private, everybody gets five tags. And rifle comes in in August, so um, it's it's really hard to just find old bucks. Um, but I run a lot of cameras for that reason, um, and I think guys that run two or three cameras. And they can kill a good buck you're a way better hunter than me i'll go ahead and say that because i can't do it
0: you know it, it, it's 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 pretty unique and i'm kind of in the same boat where i'm running a lot of cameras versus peyton and this is why i love you know having you know peyton on especially for this like pin you're you're running what two trail cameras and no no cell cameras um, and this is the first year that you're really running cameras, and you he killed a really really nice buck last year, um, and it's just moving and grooving and stuff like that this year. Yeah. So like, you know, it, it's you, you you get two sides of it, and I I yeah. think trail cameras it's it's just another like cool to the arsenal and i i love trail cameras like i i just love them i love using them you're kind of engaged yep. all throughout the throughout the season because that's kind of what we're we're using them all throughout the season you know um but when you are say you know you're going to a new piece or you know and you're you're, you're putting cameras down or whatever things what what are you really looking for and how long are you running a camera in a spot before you change or or something like that
2: That's a good question. So it just depends on the, it depends on what the objective of the camera is. So I have a really unique approach to following whitetails. And I, I have studied deer for a long time unofficially. I'm no biologist or anything like that. I just want to throw it out there. But um, I, I guess to to answer that i'll digress to the camera thing so most of the spots that i kill bucks don't have trail cameras kind of like my 10 point um this year this buck here on my tripod um i killed him in september 25th and there's no cameras on that island at all but i don't tell like i don't i wouldn't i wouldn't have that historical data if i didn't run tascos on that island for like four years so when people say like like for so for me, I guess disclosure, I, I have killed out of all of the bucks I've killed, I've killed a percentage of them by just walking in the woods and hunting hot sign and maybe a rut funnel up north and things like that. But for the most part, I make strategic sits and I do that off historical breeding activity signs. So when I was on that island, I was there for a reason. I don't need to run Tascos on that island anymore. I know when it's hot, when you need to be there. Like right now in November, everything's lost its leaves out there and you can see straight through the island. It's, it would be pointless to hunt there now, but there's a sweet spot. And so knowing that for whatever piece you're hunting or the piece within a piece, you know, it's, if it's large public, the certain thickets are going to be hot at certain times and things like that. And that's how the bucks kind of move around. So with that being said, um, depends on what my camera is trying to accomplish. If it's, um, a scrape camera, it's going to be a camera that stays indefinitely. So it's a cell camera generally, if it's within two hours of my house and, uh, If it's not within two hours of my house, it's just going to be a Tasco and it's just going to be for historical data. So like, I'm going to have years of knowing when that scrape provides those mature buck pictures. And it's always, when you do that for several years in a row, you'll see a trend. Like, you know, when to hunt this scrape Halloween weekend, like you just, your ass is there because you have three years worth of pictures of, holy shit, that buck came through on Halloween or the day after. So I have that and that's kind of how I set my early season hunts up like the 10 point on the island. Um, So a scrape camera, let's assume it's within two hours and it's going to be a cell camera and it's going to be year round. Uh, I have some solar panels and some 25 foot whips. I try to get my solar panel to the above the canopy and I try not to service them because they're my scrape cameras are only bedding scrape cameras so Going in there is very invasive. Yeah, I know you've seen me with my rain videos, a trillion, zillion. People are probably sick of me talking about taking advantage of the rain. But, you know, I don't go in there unless it's pouring, and I try not to touch anything. While I'm in there, though, I'll take full advantage. I'll carry a weed or whatever I need to do. I, my leaf blower, but if I need to go in during the season, I want to be able to get in quiet. Like this year, I leaf blowed my trail after all the oak leaves fell. And now I can sneak in and sneak out pretty quietly. So, but I try to do that stuff very scheduled because that camera is going to stay there indefinitely. Now, if it's a a fawning camera, I might move that camera 10 times in a month because I can't find the little, like the little, where she's going to drop the fawn. There's some tells that Doe will give you. They mark their areas where they're going to do their fawning and they do some certain body language. And so, one thing that I really struggle with is. Around when we come back, I'll go into more depth about it, but I because it'll be that time I'll be moving my cameras from breeding sign to potential fawning. So I'll be looking for those areas and that could be tough trying to find a doe that's really sought this one location out where you think she's going to drop her fawn. But there's some things you can do to kind of sweeten those spots like hinge cuts and some other things that, you know, guys have been doing for a long time. um, You can create that kind of protection area for those fawns and you can run like i have one where i fell six or seven trees into each other it's like a star i have five cameras around it and like two does always drop their fawns in there and so i i do run fawning cameras so to answer your question in that regard versus one end of the stick where my scrape cameras are long-term permanent i don't do anything other than clean bird shit off the solar panel and spray it with permethrin. Um, whereas like my fawning cameras, for Christ's sakes, I could move those like three times in a week and still not find a fawn. Like they're very mysterious little critters, but, and they don't move when they're first dropped, they hide. And so it's like,
1: now, that's I'll see the doe
2: and she's pregnant. Yeah. And she'll come by a day later and she's not pregnant anymore. And you're like, huh?
1: Yeah. I haven't heard a lot of people running specifically fawning cameras. Like, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Like what do you personally like? What information do you gather from that? That like it sets. So it apart. for me,
2: I gather it it's all part of a it's all part of a data collection effort to identify estrus timing. So bond drop dates can oh. get you a ballpark area of when your dough was hot. So <clears throat> when you start to overlay information, like for example, back to the scrape, like okay, this scrape behind my house. Always between October twentieth and eleven five, I get all my big buck pictures. Well, then you're like, okay, so that's a Halloween scrape. That's when you hunt it. That's just you don't hunt it any other time. Screw that scrape. You hunt it that week. It that's when you get your buck pictures, right? So you've three, four years of that. Let's say. Well, to further drill in, you can start to look at, try to find where that doe is fawning and see exactly when she's dropping her fawns. It's not exact science. There's other things you can you need to do from there, but if you know, for example, this year I posted an April sixteenth uh, fawn that that was half hanging out of the dough. like she was literally walked past my camera, like in distress, trying to give birth to this thing, and so it was like April sixteenth. And so, um, if you can find some information like that, then you know for a fact, like you can do the math. And even though from there, that just that basic, that one piece of information isn't exact science, you can get a ballpark, couple of hundred days, 2 two fifteen. 15 okay, well, now I know she's an October 15th estrus, or an 11-1 estrus, and so, because, I guess, the one piece of information that listeners should know is, I'm in the Carolinas, so, If you're listening to this and you're in Wisconsin, you're probably thinking, well, all deer come hot at the same time and it's November. And that's that's true where you have a winter, but we don't have a winter. So we start having does get hot in late August, early September, Mm. and you'll actually see those fawns drop in April, like I was saying. And then our main primary rut is just starting now in December. So most of those fawns will drop june 15th to july 15th and or even a little little bit later and then january we have a late a later rut that takes place because it's like a trickle right here because it just keeps happening and happening we have high deer numbers and they can't all be bred low buck numbers and uh, we have early dropped fawns that when they reach a certain maturity they come hot too and so the rut just goes on and goes on and goes on and goes on into january and so uh you can uh, identify the fawns that are going to become hot late season. So you're saying, like, what's the fawning camera for? It's two things, two major tactics that I do for hunting right now because December is my rut, and I'm just getting ready to hunt the rut. And so uh, I'm about to hunt two, two areas that I know have fawns that are about to be hot. And one way I know one spot was was that fawn that was half hanging out of the doe. Um, I know to hunt there because that fawn's like 80 pounds. And she's, you know, she's been hitting the, she's walked through the mock scrape a couple of days in a row. And she's like rub urinated, but didn't. And like, she's confused and she's been hitting the vine out of nowhere. And I think she's, things are happening inside her, you know, she's a big ass fawn. And so I'm about to hunt that scrape next week. Um, that's the same scrape where the wide and the tall eight. I, I posted a post. There's like two different eight pointers that are hitting the same yeah. scrape. That's that scrape. So I'm hoping that I have that date nailed down for that area of ballpark. And then the other one is a, a mock scrape I built because uh, this summer I was out glassing for fawns, and I was I probably glassed like 50 fawns in the same day, and they were all like 50 pounds and spotted. And the last place I checked, a glass and a doe had two fawns, and they were huge, and they only had like a couple spots on them, and all the other fawns in the field were just spotted. But I said, holy shit, those fawns are like wicked old. They were twice the size of the other fawns. So I built a mock scrape there, and just lately I've been having both of those doe fawns have been hitting that mock scrape just, just this week, so i'm hoping that means those doe are gonna be uh kind of fired up and because they're fawns they're probably gonna need to be chased and you know i'm just hoping that the woods are awake and there's just deer to see you know i got venison so i'm just hoping for deer to see man you know nothing i mm-hmm. shoot well i'll probably carry the rifle now and just be done with it but
0: yeah,
2: yeah. wow try to, try to kill a big one you know i don't get a chance too often
0: I just I just want to say I'm so excited for when we actually when we record again. Wow. And go into the details because like my the brains like the wheels just spinning right now. And like I I really like and I saw it when <laughs> yeah.
1: I saw Peyton's face kind of light up. It definitely did click. Like I was so con- that makes so much sense. Now, That you mention that it's like almost like, yeah, you figure out when they're born and then, you know, exactly when they're going to come in and i feel like you talked about the trickle rut and i could be wrong but i really feel like that's kind of what we saw up here in new jersey and probably because the weather was so inconsistent i mean it's more mild
2: yeah there it's, yeah it's new jersey it's is 20, not burlington vermont you know yeah
1: exactly. yeah it was like one day would be f- like 28 and then the next day i'm pouring yeah. sweat walking to the stand and just a base layer you know it's yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I, think be- I
2: think a lot of it has to do with fawn survival and it's like evolution and if the fawns mm-hmm. are dropped a little too early and there's no grass to hide in or if it's too cold and they freeze then they evolve to drop them a little later but one phenomenon i read about was like this urban thing that's happening where like these does are getting in these urban areas and they're able to drop their fawns like in grandma's roses like in early season, and in areas like Long Island, New Jersey, Delaware, I've heard like a shift that's taking for like place based on like urban deer. I don't know if there's any truth to it. It could be just folklore. Like I said, I'm not a biologist, but it seems like if they're able to fawn and the fawns are able to be safe, they could evolve in the other direction. It makes sense to me, you know.
0: I hundred I hundred percent agree, and I I you know. <clears throat> just looking at i mean people are always like well you know don't deer number are down deer number are down in new jersey yes they, they've definitely dropped but look at how many deer on private look at how many does and i yeah. the spot that i'm hunting right now for this buck the does and there's about six or seven of them they yes they bed where i'm at but they're usually always coming from across the road which private property and, and peyton actually when we we're looking at the map the first time i found this spot he said this buck could easily be across the street down there's a whole wood lot and it's actually a you know you got houses literally surrounding it and it just drops right into a nice bottom and I drove yeah. all the way down there. It's a dead end. And, you know, and I'm literally looking this whole entire way. And it's just like literally just a bottom, you know, and it just funnels right up. They come right across the street and they go right down to, to mm-hmm. public. They make a right and then they go back onto another private. So they're going from private to public to private. Safety. Safety. Mm-hmm food source where i am on on the public and betting private which is more betting you know so Mm -hmm. it's it it completely makes sense why if they can birth on private and and stuff like that they they pick up on these things they they really do like deer they're they're pretty you know and
2: if it's if it's not terribly cold like washington dc like sure it gets down to five ten degrees but around that time where they're trying to drop an early fall in april may it's really pretty mild and if they can get like in some a honeysuckle traffic median or something where that puppy's safe like they'll yeah dude they'll drop and then i think that can start because here in the south our rut is a really wide rut, and so it was, took completely changing my entire game but And there's there's some been some like a lot of failures that led to a few wins when it came to find. We'll dig into it, I guess, at a later date. But like finding where like super high stem count like grass meets broadleaf. So if you can find like where grass or cattails meet like greenbrier or soybeans or super like trillion per acre stem count meets broadleaf. And then I'll do like some hinge cuts and stump sprouts right in that area. And usually I can get those to drop their fawns there. But it, that's one thing I probably struggle with the most because those are, you know, I think to some extent, like humans, like can't always choose when you give birth. Why, I don't know if you guys have kids. Like I know my wife didn't get to choose. So you might say like, oh, I'm going to have this, this uh, fawn over there. And then you're like, oh, I guess I'm having it here. You know, like I don't know how it happens. <laughs> uh, they yeah, no. to some <laughs> extent, they don't just flip a switch and have a pond. You know, I'm sure it happens. Yeah, yeah,
0: definitely. I, yeah, you know, I, I, hang around probably that don't. area. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree. So I, um,
2: I think about all that. You know, when I'm, out and I'm pondering those things, like you know, that's pretty
1: so unique. <laughs> yeah, that is important. so like it, it's like that it is a good point. It's like you have to think about like all deer behavior, not just like the mature buck behavior because it all does relate to one another and that's something i feel as though i've definitely learned not as much to this extent you know where i'm actually you know looking where the fawns have dropped but i like it's to a much lesser extent this season something i've started to pay attention to you know it's like really thinking about like where i was seeing a lot more of those does in the early season some of my other scouting it's like paying more attention to that it's like okay well let me spend a little bit more time in there in November, you know, when those bucks, you know, when, yeah. as their behavior starts to change and they start to kind of, you know, converge in the similar area. So pay attention to. And document yeah,
2: and documenting those time frames when that happens, because for me, I hunt a lot of little, little spots. That's what I always tell people. Like, even when I hunt like the 900 or 1200 acre public piece, I mean, we can, we can talk about like, post-season scouting when the time comes but i mean i'll go to the 1200 acre piece and cross out 900 acres of it because it's stuff i'm not gonna hunt and i'm only focusing on like super thick bedding areas and bedding scrapes for those daytime scrape pictures so um you know uh so for me i'm hunting a lot of little spots it's the spot within a spot it's the bedding area within within an area so 1,200 acres probably has three spots. I'm calling spots, you know, 10 to 40 acre spots that are just jungle. Um, the rest of it's open pines, standing hardwood, stuff that I'm just drawing an extra, like ignoring. And so what I do then is those little spots within the spots, it doesn't matter if it's a 20 acre spot inside of a giant public piece, or if it's a 20 acre spot, you got door knocking, it's still a 20 acre spot you're hunting. So that spot's timing is everything. And so that's what my, I've had to do that out of survival because it's just like I'm hunting either small knock pieces or I'm in public where it's like pine trees here in the Carolinas, a lot of pine tree plantations where you can get down on one knee and shoot two miles with a rifle. And so like the deer don't like that stuff. And so I'll find the spot, the thick spot within those spots. And then I'll leave like some SD, cheap SD cameras. And, and what you'll find when you do that a couple of years in a row, even like me, I went to public school and I still found that you'll just see trends like, oh, it's always the first week in November. Like that's when they're here. And it might not be big bucks. It might just be the first week in November you're seeing dinks, but it'll be year over year. It's always the same time. So you just need to know when to hunt those little spots within the spots. Because if you don't know when to hunt them, you're going to throw 30, 40 sits at it. And it's like, and then you're guessing, you know, and that's a mental thing. It's like, man, did I miss it? Are my does pregnant? Because if my does are pregnant, I'm wasting my time. Like, are they already pregnant? And it's like, you start thinking like that, you know, and that's, that's a tough game. You know, when you think you're hunting pregnant does, you're like, damn, maybe I missed it. Yeah. Yeah so i try wow. to get that data ahead of time so i know like this is the freaking thicket you need to be in this week and try to it's it's still all approximate you know but i try yeah. to not you know try to not hunt because small parcels especially try not to try to not hunt them when they're dead because like behind my house right now is a ghost town the leaves all fell off. I could see. I could shine a flashlight a mile through there. Like there are no deer in there. I mean, those, maybe a couple, but you know, if you're hunting back there, you'd be hurting a hurting camper. Yeah, you know. makes sense. That no, that makes. Yeah. sense. you know, that all makes a lot of sense right now. Um, there's a time to hunt a certain place. Yeah, you just have to find it.
0: Reed, I mean, man, it's gonna be a fun off season because you know it, yeah. it's it's now you say it right it's like a lot of things are just clicking you know because you know we you know Paint and i talk every there's spots that have just been like just dead just dead they're dead and there's a
2: pregnant or the food's gone and they've moved yeah yeah
0: yeah yeah.
2: those two things happen either your does are knocked up or the food's gone
0: yeah and And i I, you know i last like
2: bucks are not coming to pregnant does it's over
0: no 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 and you know one thing i noticed on on the hunt that i had the other day and i forgot to talk about this before um i had some had some chasing late and it was by a spike with you're talking about the the yearlings that are probably just starting to come into to the heat and just don't know what what to do with themselves and you know this spike yeah. was just chasing the you know those, these a few few yearlings just like all over the place and they're making such a a racket i'm like oh like i wanted them to come and they didn't come up by me but like man he yeah. was on it like nose down just persistent just just running all over they the place
2: do a loop of death yeah, they do a loop of death. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it, like if you sm- hunted any urban stuff, but I have mm-hmm. one urban spot that I hunt. It's 40 acres and it's got a river on two sides, like the river bend. It's like an oxbow on two sides and then it has a highway on two sides. And so it's like 46 acres of landlocked. And no mature bucks live on that piece. It's purely like there's only two weeks, like two weeks a year to really hunt it it's early in October, which I I couldn't hunt this October. We didn't really get into that, but I didn't hunt all October because a lot of business stuff that was happening and family, but, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: um, I missed a week to hunt there in October. And then there's a week coming up in December to hunt there. It's pretty good. So, um, but so, and so I know based on his past year's data, uh, uh, when to hunt there, um, I guess I, I, lost the the point I was trying to make with that, but, uh, the, but for me, SD cameras, SD cameras in those locations. So I guess we can, you asked me about post-season scouting earlier, but for me running a lot of SD cameras that I don't plan on ever really checking until next year is huge. And, uh, since I lost the point I was trying to make, I guess I'll say this, but I feel like I've se- I'm segueing away from cell cameras because I feel like when I'm hunting with cell camera data, I'm always hunting a day behind. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way, but um, I'm always a day behind. I feel like buck was there yesterday. I come and I hunt it. He's gone. And, and that started getting old. So that's why when I started falling back and being like, man, I'm just going to hunt this other spot that I had this last year's picture, I'd kill one. I'd, I'd stick one and I was like, "Well shit." So I started to gravitate more that way and so I, what I realized is like I think cell cameras have me chasing my tail a lot. So cuz those times where I tell you I keep the cell Good camera point. on those scrapes close to the house, slob shows up, I'm like, "Holy shit, send a picture to my boy." I run out there, <laughs> no buck. That's the story of a cell camera. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, no, that's you true. that's, that's you pretty true. Tasco there. You should have known when he was coming and you should have been there for three days that's, camping out, you know, but so yeah, true. I could preach it. And then I fall victim to it myself because that's, it's
0: hunting, you know, but yeah, you know. yeah, no, it, it's, listen, yeah, it's, it's so hard. Like I love cell cameras, but you're right. You, you feel like you, you are a step possibly behind. And that's kind of what I'm dealing with right now. Um, you know, but it's, it's also you look at the knowledge and data that you can collect just by listening. My my phone's been going off for the past like, you know, 30 minutes. And, you know, I know that okay, there's a doe there, there's a buck there. Oh shit, it's just a raccoon, whatever. If I'm going for bear or what, whatever, whatever yeah. you're specifically going for, like you can you can collect this information now how the sales cams have it. You you get the price, you can put in your, you know, the you know the location and now you have the wind you have the temperature you have the pressure the moon phase so it collects all this data and you know you what i do is i write all my stuff down if a buck shows up on a on my camera in a specific spot everything's written down yeah okay he showed up at this time exactly this was the wind this yeah yep this was that's all he daylighted this let me tell you what my
2: friend that's a slippery slope to be on (laughs) <laughs> because the, <laughs> because what's going to happen is you're going to realize, okay, I did this with three bucks and I had an encounter. And then the next year you're going to do this and you're going to get a few more camera, SD cameras. You're going to be like, right, screw the cell cameras. You're going to get a few more SD cameras. You're going to do it with nine, nine bucks. And then you're going to kill one. And then you're damn, and that's what started with me. And so now I run like a hundred SD cameras because I get these Tasco five packs for a hundred bucks. And I just, yeah, I get a. I try to build my summer up to where I, I like each season I'm letting a bunch like this year. I think I've let 21 bucks walk and 11 of them were three or three years old. Um, I did shoot one three year old with my pistol, uh, a little eight point, but um, that was my first pistol buck. So I decided anything with a forked antler was getting smacked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's pretty cool,
2: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I've letting a whole bunch of other threes go, and I have those dates, and they were actually hitting those a lot of them were hitting those same scrapes when they were two on the same time frame, so that's what I do, man. I just try to build build up those because what I have found is um when you start to run a lot of cameras on a lot of small pieces, you'll just start to see like little pieces. Of are hot at certain times and the rut people, I think, think the rut is like this red, like tidal wave that comes through. And I don't think it's like that. I think if you look at like individual, like porch lights turning on, like ding, 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 that's kind of like the rut. And it's like bing over here, bing over there, bing, 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 bing. bing. And I think there's a time where it's like, it's crazy, you know, maybe November, but I think if you slowed that down, you would just see where it's like these little thickets, like this thicket's, hot, this, thicket's hot, this thicket's hot, this thicket's hot, this thicket's hot, this thicket's hot, and it's just. And when you run enough cameras in those little thickets, you'll start to see like, oh, this
0: is an October thicket. Yeah, no point yeah. out in December. No that that makes that makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. And you know i you know we've talked about it a lot. You know, paying and I and you know the guys like. I don't think it's like you said. It's not just one thing. Where all of a sudden, boom. You know these these animals, they're not all synced, and you know the but just like we see, we see the bucks start chasing well before usually, the does are even any close to ready. You know, and I actually for the go ahead,
2: yeah no go no please
0: oh I remembered um, my
2: point earlier. (laughs)
0: Um, you know there was a a couple weeks ago, Peyton. There was this time where I was having these two. Big does coming in, and I'm like, "There's no bucks after them." Like, they weren't ready. They weren't even in the heat yet. You know, they and everyone's like, "Oh, the ruts here, the ruts here, the ruts here."
2: That are in that area, yeah. But the yearlings in that area, no. And the yearling bucks in that area are fired up. And the Mm -hmm. yearling, and that I guess. And so you just reminded me what my earlier point that I lost was. Uh, something in my closet fell and I lost my point. It was the loop of death. I was asking you guys if you i've yes, heard, yes, yeah, heard yeah. of the loop of death. And so a good and I now that I've identified it, I see it everywhere. Like everywhere I look, I see it. And this one property that was landlocked, I was saying, um, what I find there when like the one and the two-year-olds, uh, like you're saying this time of year, like October, when they start to get fired up, they'll just do a loop. I call it, it's like a zombie loop. Like they just, there's like this 146 acre spot. I have a mock scrape on all four corners um, of the property because all four corners of the properties have a potential access point where a buck could cross a highway or swim a river. So I have a mock scrape at those four corners because. My hist- uh, just to quickly digress my historical data on when those bucks show up to that tiny parcel i want to know the first day they show up it doesn't do me any good if i find out on the fifth day they're there so yeah. i put my scrape strategic to make sure the buck hits it like hour one day one so that i can count that as real historical data if he hits it on the third day i mean it's not really a very good historical data so anyway but so uh what I'll find is the yearlings and the one-year-olds will just do a loop from scrape to scrape to scrape around the whole property. It's like a zombie loop. And uh, I think that's what your little buck probably was doing. Like, I'll see him. I'll see a spike horn go by a little while later. He'll come from the other way. He's coming back. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah It's yeah. like yeah. this big loop around the whole property. You're, you're but right. they, yeah. they won't swim the river and they won't cross the highway. And there's Weird. no mature bucks that live on that property. At all because the doe numbers are so high, yeah. so it's purely a two-week a year hunt where um, mature bucks either cross the highway or they swim across the river, but they come in. I get them on camera like hammer bucks. They come in and they're there for like a week and they leave. They don't live there, you know. It's like uh, they're in and out, and uh, so it's funny because I'll see what you're saying is I'll see those little yearlings, those two-year-olds on the loop of death. I'll see them yeah. at eight in the morning, I'll see them nine fifteen. Eleven thirty one away, two fifty, I'm like, dude, calm down, like <laughs> like the same <laughs> spike corn. okay, yeah, keep yeah, coming yeah. by, yeah, yeah, but but that historical data for the most part, I'll ignore until they're three. It's only when they like start swimming that river and they start you know, <laughs> real bucks start showing up, and then I'll start paying attention, you know, because gotcha, yeah, understanding like that that yearling loop of death doesn't mean anything. Yeah, he's yeah. a zombie on hooves, you know. Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. yep.
2: Yeah, you start um, trying to historically date that, you're just wasting your time, you know.
0: Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, no, definitely. The little great. things
2: like that make a difference, you know. But.
0: For sure, you know, and it, it's it, it's so you know unique uh, hearing all this. Like it's a definitely, like I said, it just it gets the wheels turning, and you know, it just opens up a, a whole bunch of doors that um I imagine our our followers and everything like that, and even your followers, and you know, everyone will be excited to to hear more about once we we dive you know really into next time. Um, you know, yeah. one one more thing before you know we let you go. Um. <laughs> What is, what do you think is the most important thing when you're, when you're coming to, you know, you're, you're saying your rut's about to start, you know, obviously you got scrapes, you got dough bedding, everything like that. What is the one thing that you're, you're, you're trying to key on it at, at this point? Like, I know you said, you know, each fawns,
2: two scrapes, specifically one scrape that had the fawn half hanging out of her mother on April in April. Mm-hmm. That scrape. I'm absolutely going to be super glued to that one fawn because I know she's about to become hot. She's like 80, 85 pounds. She's huge. And then the other fawns, there's a pair of doe fawns that I'm planning on hunting. It's going to be probably the other 50% of my time. And I glass them up. I was glassing all summer. Everybody's probably glassing bucks. I was glassing fawns. I know that's a weird thing to say, but... I glassed up probably 500 fawns to find this pair and I found them and they were very early fawns because in like I said it was around August 1st they were only had spots on their ass end and everybody else had spots everywhere so Mm -hmm. that's my whole jam if I'm going to hunt this time I'm going to be on some on some young does that I know are about to be hot because it's tough to hunt the older does not knowing if they're already pregnant or if yeah, the really old does tend to just go to the buck and they don't really need to be chased because they've done mm-hmm. it so many times. So, you know, I've seen that where an old doe just kind of takes her fawns to the food plot and then she leaves and goes to the buck. And so I like the young does. So that's what I'm going to be on, dude. I'm going to be on yeah. some doe fawns the next two weeks. That's
0: my jam. And with, you know, with that, that's, it's kind of more of a South thing, By you F. know, P. Um, you know, just because, like you said, in the colder weather, you know, it's definitely it's a lot more difficult to, to, I guess, you know, monitor and also to. To really, you know, those those probably does probably they're born probably. All, I don't even know late. It's so hard because the South is so much different than, you know, Ooh up north or midwest and california
2: yeah you really need that fawning intel that's why like when we meet again i'll be just moving cameras i'll be going to get they'll be dead by then i'll be pulling those cards getting those breeding date those breeding activity dates that i'm missing right now everything that's happened this year chasing and you know tail cupping and rub urinating and those those hits hit rubs too i got a couple of of uh, of, uh, of rubs where I've, I've showed some pictures where the does will hit them too. They'll rub their heads on them. and So I'll go retrieve those cards and move those cameras. It'll be January and February. So at that time, it's going to be really easy to find where those does are going to be trying to drop fawns. I mean, yeah. the woods are bare, especially up north where you guys live. Like there can't be that many thickets where...
0: No, no, you know, we have. A, where you can
2: throw a pumpkin and lose the pumpkin. I mean, that's what you're looking for.
0: Uh, we're if we're you can in throw some a swamps. pumpkin and
2: then have to search to find the pumpkin. That's good pawning area.
0: Uh, no, no, I, 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 I think we I think we Yeah,
1: I think we could find.
0: Where where I it's can't speak from the, the state.
1: It's definitely less where we're rad and Mike. I texted you this the other day. I wanted to pull cards on Friday. And uh, I just know I hadn't been in the woods in Jersey in a while. And I noticed it's like all those rest of those leaves are gone. And it, I'm like, when you start to say like place, you can shine a flashlight and go a mile, yeah. i like, thinking, like, yeah, that is true. And like, as you're talking, the wheels are turning in my head. I'm thinking, like, I might actually, in a crazy sort of way, get a little bit easier because they're gonna have to be more concentrated if they are living on the public exactly sort of those like those cattails oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know exactly those places those green briars those places where they don't yep. you know no matter the time of year they're still still thick
0: yep.
2: yeah yeah and andrew says that i'm gonna hunt those those are thick real thick
0: yeah andrew's favorite time to hunt is is really now is winter he's you know he loves this time of year because you know it, where, where we are in the the you know, like Peyton said, like, it's just so different, man. During the season, we're in those swamps and those thickets. Like we can't see anything. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many times, you know, I would be texting Peyton, like, I'm pretty sure I heard a deer. Right. But I did like, I can't see anything. Like I legit, like they could sneak past you and they can be at 15 yards away from you. And you would never even know because of how thick. And now at this point, Boom, you don't have yeah, that, your the cover's on.
2: Shrink when the yep. foliage, yeah. Yep. The foliage, and then food sources. By the time you get out there in January, yeah. And by the time you get out there in January and February, exactly, when you can find those areas where the rut sign happened, generally it's in the same. It's gonna be like a grassy, cattail yeah, high stem county kind of briary area, you know, like usually the kind of place you could like kick a soccer ball and then not find it
0: yeah no yeah definitely um last one and then you know we'll let you go and we'll get a more detailed one this is the one that we always ask everyone for their first time on yeah what is your dream hunt if it could be anywhere in the world it'd be like a two-week hunt money is not an option doesn't matter how much it costs where would it be and what's your dream animal
2: Yeah, so I have two, actually. My main one is going to be a a mountain lion, but I'm kind of nothing to to take away from the guys that do it because I think it's awesome, and I watch these videos on YouTube all night long, but I don't want to shoot one out of a tree. Um, I want to shoot one on the ground fair chase with my recurve, and I know that's a tall order because just getting close to a lion on the ground is... You know, they're no joke. You, well, you almost have is. to be in some kind of funnel where one's coming by you. Or I wouldn't be opposed to doing like a predator call, you know, like a mm-hmm. game pro or like we do with the coyotes yeah. and the foxes. So if you could get a cougar to come into something like that, that'd be pretty dope. Uh, so I would love to kill a cougar on the ground with my bow, on a way mono, not out of a tree. And I would also like to go to Maryland and hunt some sika deer. Ooh, that's a good thing too. I think I'm to to do that, that a lot. So, one, I'm going to try to do in the next couple of years. The secret year thing I'm going to try to make happen. You know, I'm 46. The Cougar thing probably sailed, but <laughs> we'll see. You never know. Ted Nugent's out there doing it. He's seven. Yeah, so. right, right. There, there,
0: there's a <laughs> lot of seven guys seven out there. Right. there. There's a guy that um that we get on, uh, Lusk Archery Outdoors. He does all the broadhead testing, I mean. This man, he's yeah. always out, and he is just, in Alaska, and all these places, and everything like that, like, it, it's it's just, it is a you tough, You guys, you young guys
2: hard. have a big advantage, yeah, you young guys that I've made friends with on Instagram have a big advantage, because a lot of you guys are in really good shape, and uh, I see a lot of gym <laughs> posts, and hiking a lot, and shooting all the time, I'm just saying, like, for me, dude, like. You know, I graduated high school in the mid-90s. You know, we didn't really hear about health and fitness until the last 10 years. So, you know, know, we treated our bodies pretty terrible. So um, some of these types of hunts, like high altitude elk and stuff, just seem out of reach for guys like me. But the the guy like you're talking about, people who have been just health monsters their whole life. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and then yeah. of course you get your freaks of nature like Ted Nugent, who's just like drank whiskey and smoked his whole life, and he still does, so.
0: <laughs> which is <laughs> pretty remarkable. <laughs> He's still going. Yeah, but I'll let you know.
2: Uh, I'll let you know how uh, I make out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on these does this week, and if you guys can find some, some live bait to hunt over this late season, I love it. I like it better than late season food because everything here in the Carolinas is still green and herbaceous. So yeah. You know, you can't really plan a late season food plot here. It doesn't do any good.
0: And and another difference from, you know, all our stuff is starting to is mostly dead at, at this mm. point. Um, You know, so it gets even more crucial, but it's also easier for us. And, you know, if you're out in the Midwest and stuff like that, to yeah. pinpoint where the deer are yeah. going to be, because, you know, you need to go to that. You food can bring source. them to you. Yeah, Yeah, and you can. If
2: you're a man who owns a man or woman who owns a thousand acres and money's no object, and you can just grow soybeans and corn and brassicas and all this other stuff, you just suck deer like you vacuum them from all around. You just go into a low income area where there's no farming and you make the only food plots for miles. I mean that's like you know vintage Higgins right there. Like, technically not to name drop people, but you, you go into these low-income areas and you buy a thousand acres and you just grow food plots and you vacuum deer for 10 miles and you kill booners but like if you don't have the means to do that then um or if you live in an area where lacy's and food plots don't help you because it's the carolinas and everything's still green here um i still have persimmons falling in my yard like so you know, food plots not going to do any good if persimmons are dropping still. So yeah, you yeah. have to find something else to hunt. And that's where the does came from. I'm like, well, I'll take it to them, you know? Yeah. If they can't smart. bring them to
0: me. Definitely, definitely think yeah. that's going to change some people's, like, there's a bunch of people, I think, when they listen to us, like, especially if you're in the South and you're listening to this, like, new, yeah, new, new technique kind of.
2: Kinda... And run some SD cams and yep, figure out when they're hot, man. Don't
0: waste your time when they're not hot yeah no definitely well brandon we want to thank you for for coming on um yeah, you know it, it was a absolute yeah, pleasure likewise um, we are. Uh, i can't wait to i can't wait till you get back on so we could really deep dive deep into i know uh payton's gonna have a whole bunch of questions coming up when next yeah. time we're gone i'm gonna have a yeah. whole bunch of questions um you know
1: we're we're really excited for that we want to wanna,
2: I'm trying to do a scouting session, so I'll let you guys know. What state are you both in? Jersey and yeah,
1: we're both Jersey. I'm in Jersey and sometimes oh, Maryland. Yeah, yeah. He's, well, because he's, Dave,
2: uh, Dave and Chris, they're in the Long Island area. And yeah, want to get yeah. together. Dave actually has a piece he wants to scout a swamp. Um, so I don't know. Uh, I was thinking maybe we could try to. Get like ten or fifteen guys and like do some postseason scouting. I mean, help Dave. We you know make him buy everybody lunch or something for helping him. But
0: <laughs> I'm I'm always in. I I am always in. Know.
2: I told him I'd volunteer. Yeah, I told him I'd volunteer my gas, and it's only seven or eight hours. It's not that.
0: <laughs> I got hotel points and stuff. So <laughs> maybe, maybe hear we hear could
2: it. do something postseason, dude. You know,
0: we are. So we're. I'm trying to. I'm. Um, we did an event last year we're probably gonna be doing multiple again this year um we're probably gonna yeah. be doing the, the meet and greet and the the archery shoot but i am think it should be done we're just trying to close the place on a a game dinner type of like a event where we would be all at a place and everything like that and kind of like a you know speakers and everything like that and just you know have fun and yeah. meet a lot of the people that we've had on that yeah you know, we haven't been able to meet in person and stuff like that so um that is going to be, be awesome. one of the options yeah the people who are out of state you guys are probably going to be the first ones to, to hear about this um just because you know you guys are be the ones that are gonna have to book if you guys can come uh the jersey yeah. people you'll you'll be after that but um Yeah, definitely. Have you guys Um, ever been
2: down to the Dixie Deer Classic before?
0: No, it is something that that I want to go to. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it's in
2: Raleigh. Um, If you guys decide to ever come down, let me know, man. I'd love to. to
0: Listen, I've had North Carolina in the books.
1: It was great
2: last year. We had a million point three people come through in three days. Jesus. And uh I got to chum it up with Hickok 45. I don't know if you ever Oh yeah, Oh yeah. Wow. I, I love, I love I mean, it I yeah. for a half a day. I helped him pick out a machete and like you don't know who you're gonna run into there. Like it's like <laughs> every other so it's your cool. classic. You're just shopping calls and you look up and you're next to a celebrity. You know, it's but
0: yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, that's uh that's absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, you know, but Thank you yet again. Cool. Uh Peyton, cool. we're gonna you. you and I will we'll wrap up and you know we'll we'll talk to you, you guys later, Rebert. Yep. Thank you. Yep. Appreciate y'all. Thank you. Man, what a that was really cool.
1: Really, yeah. really cool. Just like knowledge on a different level. Uh made me really think right? about different things that kind of just like got me you know it's like it, we talked about it. it's been a long season you know maybe and i know i've definitely been sitting the wrong spots um over the course of the year but it is trial and error um and you know like he said it's like it's taken him years to to get to that kind of knowledge base that you know that he's at so you know it it does get me fired up to get back out there you know, I'm, yeah. I've had a little bit of downtime where I haven't had as much time lately to get out out in the woods, you know, for various reasons. So yeah. it does get me pumped up to get back out there, you know, hearing that stuff and putting some new ideas in my head, you know, on, I, on how to get it done on public land.
0: I think whatever we we do, however we finish this year, whatever you decide to do with you know your where you're living or whatever, I think this off season for us are, is going to be really key where it's going to open up. Whatever, um you know, and we have so much time to think and plan, but like the wheel is just like with just the finishing up winter Bow because you know we saw winter Bow, and then to get into the off seasonson season, and yeah, but which we don't hunt, which I don't hunt gun and you know I know you did this once, but like you're not a big gun hunter, I so I, gonna, I, I think I'll
1: crack it out for Saturday I think, you think uh, so I think so, yeah Wait, you, you got it brought it home. I did. I brought it with me. Um, and, uh, I think I'm going to bust it out, um, on Saturday oh, and snap. You know, I'm wearing it anyway, wearing the orange anyway. And I don't have any, I did plenty of a bow hunting this year. I don't have any, any qualms with, with gun hunting. I don't think there's, I'm not a bow only hunter. Um, I'd say most deer are actually probably only thing I do hunt with a bow. So actually for me, it would be abnormal to hunt with a bow you know i'd hunt waterfowl with a gun squirrels with a gun turkeys with a gun so. you, you never
0: well we'll talk about oh you t- just shot a bear with a bow t- so yeah you yeah i forgot what? about that yeah <laughs> i consider you a bow hunter but um all right before we wrap up one thing i'm gonna do i think on every episode episode is i'm gonna eat something new so i got all this wild game right so i have like kangaroo and like all these different uh-huh. ones and this is the one that I'm really excited to try about, try because I love fishing for them and hunting for them in the summer. And we'll be right. back at hunting them with with uh, American Mike this year. But I'm going to try snapping turtle jerky for the first time. And I'm really excited. We're going to be doing this from now on.
1: Oh, man. I don't know. man. I don't know. I was actually talking to my roommates about this the other day. It was like things that we like couldn't get behind eating. And I think turtle might be something that I struggle with.
0: So it smells good. I've heard it's amazing. Like I've, you know. All right. So let's try.
3: Is it red? Yeah. What color is it? Mm -hmm. Regular jerky. Not what I thought it would look like. I thought it'd be more like a chicken or. Not gonna lie. What flavor is it? Just says it's uh, doesn't
0: give me a flavor, but says heat two, sweet five. So it's more of a sweet, definitely a sweet, but it's not bad.
3: Where do you find snapping turtle jerky?
0: Amazon, Meg, Mer- and Mike's girlfriend went down to North Carolina or something like that, or Florida or whatever, and she picked this up for me. I saw somebody, um, but. Snapping turtle
3: is good. All right. I'll take your one. word for it.
1: For now. Like, I have to be real hungry to get a craving for snapping turtle.
0: I've seen them be cl- get clean. Pretty good meat. Like it's yeah. very clean. Yeah, you just have to, you know, what, what Mike does, they filter out. So I actually put it on ice for a couple of days and it fil- filters out everything. And eventually the water will just be all that filter water will just be clear and then they hmm. cut into it. But all right, guys, we've let this episode go long enough. I got to edit it now. Um, thank you guys so much. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll see you guys uh, next week. And I, I hope you guys enjoyed this
3: episode.